conversation inside the music. Conversations inside the music, where we discuss the topics you think about when you're chilling with your fuzzy slippers and your onesie. Yeah! Welcome to Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick. What's the deal? Yours truly, the magnificent DJ Jazzy Jeff. Hi, this is Jill Scott, a.k.a. Jilly de Philadelphia. Hey, this is Gerald Beasley. Conversations Inside the Music. With my dear friend, the amazing Carol Riddick. So get ready to join in on the conversation. And chill with us on another edition of Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Riddick. With Carol Riddick. Hey, everybody, welcome to today's edition of Conversations Inside the Music. I'm your host, Carol Riddick, and today's guest is described as the original pioneer of the independent movement in RB soul music, is a two time Grammy Award nominee, and He's the winner of the 2012 Soul Train Music Award for Independent Artist of the Year. Family, welcome to today's conversation with none other than the king of independent soul and R&B, Mr. Eric Roberson. Wow, I feel good. I can retire now. Just let me retire right off the intro. I just need, what I'm going to do is I'm going to hire you just to tell me that every morning. When I wake up, that'll be my alarm clock. I need a sound bite. <laughs> You you remind me of what I want. I forgot all about 2012 Soul Train Odyssey. I'm like, oh, I I did win that, didn't I? Let me find out. You know, it's so funny, like having known you for all these years, and then you know, I I was looking for some things to talk with you about, and I was saying, oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was just (laughs) red. I was saying, what? And I thought I knew so much. But now I feel like I know so little. Oh, trust me, I know so little as well. So we all in the same boat. (laughs) I know so little about myself as well as life. (laughs) You know Mm. what? One thing I do want to ask you about. So I read about um, a song that's titled I Have a Song. And from what I read, it was was chosen to be like the fundraising single to enable the permanent installation if I recall, of the first dedicated Commonwealth War Memorial in the UK to African and Caribbean service. UK, men. yes. Yeah, please yeah. talk to me about that. Ooh, how long ago did I do that song? It's about 20 years after I did the song. And the name is escaping me, but a young man uh, approached me uh, in London um, knew I was coming out there on tour and said, can I speak to you after your show? And, uh, and said, would like for me to redo the song um, in order for that event. Mm-hmm. And he had, he had done several events for that, uh, bringing attention to um, Black soul, uh, Black veterans uh, in the UK who, not, who hadn't got their just due. Okay. Uh, fighting in in the military over there, and somehow that song resonated to him, you know. And that's a song, you know, going back. That's a song I wrote for a movie called Prison Song uh, many years ago. It was, it was starring Q Tip and Mary J. Blige. I mean, it came out in the mid '90s, and uh, so I wrote I wrote the song for that movie. And interesting that the movie was supposed to come out like a major release and it didn't come out on a major release and it I think it became like a BT movie or something. But it but it had a cult following and um and that song uh 
was the end song of the of the movie. And it's probably one of my father's proudest accomplishments of mine and as well. Uh, and it's a song that just has lasted and has gained legs in many ways. So that was about four or five years ago that that young man contacted me about, about redoing it in London. But it was, it was amazing that, you know, I wrote it about young black men in the prison system, prison system, not only not getting it just due, but just not being seen and understood. But I kept it vague enough where it could be just black men, black women in period, or just children in foster care, whatever you look at. So um, I think he heard the song and he initially said, this is the story of black soldiers in the UK. This is this is their story. They have not gotten their recognition. They sacrificed their lives. They serve their country and they get their just due. Very much like how blacks served uh, in the military here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was more than happy for them to use the song and and um, and really honored, really honored they chose it. I, I mean, understandably so. That's amazing. I was yeah. That and I mean, that's a powerful story. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I always tell everybody, you can't dictate what your rewards are going to be mm-hmm. in this business. So you kind of just have to allow it. And, you, and when you write a song, you never know what the response is going to be. And it's crazy because I've written songs about women. There's a song, for example, I have a song called Obstacles. And it was a real life situation uh, about that. It was the obstacle of, do you go forward with this young lady or not dealing with the obstacles of this in dating this person. Mm-hmm. And it was a man that came up to me, this is many years ago. It was over 10 plus years ago. And he came to me after a show and said that he had just got finished with cancer treatments and he was uh, cured of cancer. But through his chemo treatments, he played that song Obstacles over and over. He related to it and, and it helped him fight. It helped him fight through his his uh, his nausea, his depression. And I was like, my God, this song's about a girl. You know what I mean? Like, this song's about a girl. At no point did I ever mention anything of what you're talking about, but yet he was able to hear that and see that. And that's the power of just releasing the message that you get because you just never know how it's going to resonate in somebody. And, you know, it may not rule the charts, but there might be somebody in Budapest that got the song and it changed their life. Uh, I can't tell you how many people have said, you know, a a mother comes up to me and says, my child is autistic. And when we play your album, it calms him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That right there is a hug to your heart. Oh my God. It's the best reward ever. It's better than any Grammy is better than any financial reward you possibly can gain. When you know that some song you did help somebody in a way that you didn't think the song was going to help somebody, you realize that you have a purpose. I've had that experience myself and I know exactly what you mean when you say that. I always say to people, you know, we are as creatives and artists vessels. We have a gift. So our gift is our ministry. And sometimes we get to, to reap the benefits of it as well. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, uh, and, uh, and 
this happened many years ago too. It's probably it's the one that sticks out of me the most. I know exactly what I was in Nashville, Tennessee. I just finished the show. I was in a CD line, signing CDs, and this big, massive guy, 6'5", 320. Like, I mean, this Shaq-type dude comes walking, cuts the entire line, right? They say 10, 20 people in the line, whatever. He cut, just jumps in front of the whole line. I can't even be like, yo, my man, you cut the line or nothing. He just walks up. I probably was signing somebody's CD. He cuts that person off, and he just walks up, and he goes, yo, man, I didn't know who you were. I didn't know your music. I didn't know nothing. I came to your show. And he's like, I think last month or two months ago, I left my wife. And I've always been saying she need to do this, and she not doing that, and she not doing that. And I blamed every single thing on her. I ain't say a word. I was just listening at this point. All right. And he says, but watching your show made me realize the stuff that I didn't do right and the stuff that I can do better. So I'm about to go find her right now and beg for her to take me back. And he turned around and walked away. And, and I don't think I, I don't I honestly don't think I said a word. I think I was just standing there just in awe because I was he was towering over me and he just and I don't know if I was like I probably was still too uncomfortable with the fact that like yo you just cut this whole line and you just like loud and huge and I once he grabbed my arm, you know what I mean? He grabbed my arm, but it was like it's I will never forget that statement. I'll never forget, you know. You can penetrate this guy's spirit, you know? I don't think I will ever forget that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, you, you you hear those things, man, you know, and I don't take it lightly. You know, it's crazy, you know, Carol, you know, you had, I'm sure there's an artist in your life who got you through a tough moment or who are artists that made you say, this is why I want, why I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Or there's, you know, there, there's, I have those, right? Stevie, Fred Hammond, there's so many. And then it's crazy that we're now in a place where we are that to somebody. And and I can't, I'll be honest with you. I've been, you know, I, you know, I've been in this game for 20 something years. And I want to say probably last year, that realization hit me that I was that to somebody. And it blew, it, it humbled, it, it like, it humbled me to the, to, I can't even explain to what level, you know, I just that I could possibly be be that to somebody is just my. I still can't wrap my mind around it. Well, I mean that makes sense to me because we, you know, again as creatives, we're thinking of what we're doing, what what we're doing next, what we haven't done. You know, we we're so wrapped up in um, what we feel we need to do and who we need to be. Um, yeah. And we get that we get lo- that gets lost on us. But right. I know you are absolutely right. The first time somebody said, "Miss Carol, you so and so," I was like, "Oh, I didn't even know how to receive it." No, you don't. Then, you don't know how. Because I feel like, wait, but it's just me. It, no, no, no. I'm still figuring it out. I'm still, you know, <laughs> I'm working on this mm-hmm. idea now that I can't finish. You're talking to me, <laughs> so, right? But, but right. I, I mean, it feels amazing nonetheless. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. 
and I was looking at your um, website, and I saw the process. So the process is a group of people that I have on uh, the, that site, the Patreon. It's a Patreon uh, a group of about 550 people who subscribe to follow me in the studio. So what it initially started out as was every song I do, every idea I have, whether it's a small idea on the piano or a full song, or if I'm working on an album, they get a copy of every idea, every song I do as I do it. A lot of times I'll live stream or record film actually the session as well um, so that they can see the process of how a song is made or how the song progresses from my idea to the album it landed on or the artist it went to or the TV commercial or whatever. And, and the interesting thing is that now it's grown, it's grown into that we do that now. We do a weekly podcast that talks about just random things of more based on process as well. Like just uh, two weeks ago, we did just a business business podcast like i said okay if y'all got questions on business let's just talk business right mm-hmm. um but uh it also now has grown into they come to my sound checks mm-hmm. and my shows uh we do songwriting workshops we do live concerts on there um i mean it's it's really grown into uh this hub and it's great because you know 550 people is great it's a great accomplishment and i think it's we you know we're preparing for it to get bigger and if it gets bigger i think it changes everything for me what i'll tell you is this is that so my last album we, we just released the album during this pandemic like about what a month and a half ago we released the album called here from here mm-hmm. but Three years ago, I did I did three albums in 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 nine months. I did an album every three months. I remember. So the process group watched me make each album. So that's how we started. We started as a private a private site on Facebook, and what 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 happened was it started is okay. I just let y'all watch me. Then it was like they were their input was so valuable to me that they A and R the album. So they picked what songs because let's say the I did Earth, Wind, and Fire. So Earth album had seven songs on it, but I probably recorded twelve songs. Okay. So then they had to pick out of the twelve what song seven was going to make the album. Then we did Fire, and I made another twelve, fifteen songs. They had to pick those seven songs. Then so after we did Earth, Wind, and Fire, the next album we did, I did an album called LNS that I haven't even released yet that we made just for them. They named the album. It's called LNS, which means late night sessions. They pick the songs that go on the album, everything. And, um, and it's been there. It's been there out. It's, it's like their album. Um, and even with that record, I mean, that record is 10 songs. I probably recorded, I probably recorded 15, 16 songs. And then we did this here from here album that we just released. Um, like I said, during, during the pandemic. So they were even able to watch like when all the shows got canceled and I was home and I just immediately escaped to the studio. They saw me escape to the studio and we don't know what the purpose of why I'm recording. I don't know what the purpose of why I'm recording. And then by like song six or seven, when I started shifting going, is this an album? Is this a moment of service? Like, am I supposed to, am I supposed to put this out? 
they're they're seeing it as well and they were part of the conversation what i will tell you the benefit for me why i why i'm doing all my music like this from now on mm-hmm. is that i find out what works immediately right at, right away if something needs more work it's very obvious not because somebody's like boo or whack if they're not talking about it it didn't hold their attention but if I recorded a song and then two days later, they're still talking about it, that song probably has some level of impact. And, um, but now I'm also realizing there's great producers in there. There's great singers in there. I think the next thing that we're doing in the process is making a process album, like with the members of inside, like internally. You know, that, and, and that is exactly why you are the king of independence. Oh, that is exactly why. I'm telling you, uh, Eric, you have always amazed me because you're such a trailblazer. You know, mm. I mean, I'm sure you've heard this so many times. I know you have. You've heard this so many times, you know, about um, how you've led the way. But you, honestly, you do because... It seems like every week there's something, there's another idea that makes you say, well, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> well, trust me, I still hear other people's ideas that make me say, why didn't I think of that? But, you know, I, I mean, a lot of it goes, you know, a lot of stuff we tried didn't work and some of the stuff did work. And I think, you know, I named the group The Process because it's something I've really practiced and it's something that I've worked hard to make the rest of my life the same way my songwriting life is. About about nine years ago, I stopped writing in the studio. So so every song that I probably did after Music Fan First, probably from Mr. Nice Guy on, I haven't written the lyrics down. And it's very much like for me to, I have to be the character who I wanna be in the song. And I work on trying to understand who that is And if I work on who that is, then the more defined that person is, the more answers what I want to say. So from that point on, it it guides me. So I'm very much a person who believes in process over product. Like the process, if you trust it, the product will take care of itself. What the reward comes from it, the Grammys or whatever, the reward, anything of that nature will all take care of it because you got to stay connected in the now. Mm -hmm. And... Is something that I eventually trusted so much that I tried to bring it to my marriage. I tried to bring it to my parenting. I tried to bring it to my friendships. You know, um, you know, somebody said something just the other day. I mean, early today, where they were talking about how um, they feel so conflicted by what's happening in the world right now with the protests, with racism, police brutality. And they said uh, they feel that one of the reasons why they so feel so conflicted is because of how little they've done beforehand. Mm. And now it's like it's really hitting them. And I said, well, you're never late in understanding, right? When you understand, you understand. So you can only act on now. If you try to act on now based on what you apologize from before you're not treating now honestly you know what i mean now you like because guess what if you go into trying to uh provide for the protest based on how much you haven't provided that's product has nothing to do with process 
process is very much just connecting in that. How do you feel in this moment? How do you want to respond and react to the way God is nudging you mm-hmm. to do so? And not for how well you'll be rewarded or anything afterwards or how what you've done before. It's And I think musically, I've been able to really connect I, you know, as crazy as the kids are in the house or crazy as my day is, when I sit in front of that microphone, the only thing I, I become the character and that's the only thing there. And it's something I worked on for a very, very long time, uh, but I trust it, you know, I, 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 I trust it that, it, that for me, there's two things. One, I trust that the song is already written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's more my job to find it and if I go even further into that way, I, I don't even look at music as if I create it anymore. I remove the responsibility of creating it. We're the vessels. I- We're the vessels. And the more we understand it, see, what's crazy is a lot of us say it, but we don't believe it. You're so right. I've had that conversation with you. Oh, my God. We say it, but we don't believe it. Until you live it. Right? Yeah. So for me, like, I, I don't believe in writer's block. If if you understand that you're a vessel, then you should be open to whatever messages are coming in. But what happens is, see, what writer's block, it's not saying I don't believe in writer's block. I see what it is, and I choose not to feed into it. Because what happens is, here we are as vessels. But what happens as the more we write and the more we become experts at writing, we'll judge the message that came through we do, and we'll say that's not worth making tangible you gave me this message i'm a vessel but that that message isn't important Mm -hmm. that that message isn't interesting enough and we close it off we close off the very thing that we say we are you know yeah and it's not and and once again if prejudging the outcome of something is product has nothing to do with process. My goodness, that's so true. Yeah. So I want to talk about the babies again. Yes, come on, let's go. All the babies. Well, one would be uh, eight. The seven-year-old would be eight. Shut yeah, nine, up. seven, four, though. Nine, seven, and four. Ooh, that sounds like energy. Oh, my God. You know what's crazy? <laughs> it's as if they've planned... If 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 they're not attacking all at all at once, they've planned. Well, one will come sit on me, and when that one's done, the next one will come sit on me, and when that one's done, the next one will come sit on me, or lean on me, or lay on me, or just eat up all my attention. And they they kind of map it out. It's like they look up and go, "Oh, no one's bothering them right now. Let me get them." It's really amazing. It. I mean, it sounds like it. It sounds so sweet. <laughs> oh. Have any of them, um, they work in the studio with you? Yes. So now it was crazy. My oldest, so he's recorded a couple of songs. He recorded Lean On Me recently. I do a Bring Your Kid to Work event for ASCAP every year. I did it for like last four or five years. Nice. This year we did it online. And, and my kids come to me. So now we have, we're performing for like 75 kids that all, all the kids are the people who work for ASCAP. And I sing Lean On Me to end, the, to end the whole thing. And my kids come in and they sing it with me and the whole nine, whatever. 
So we're doing online classes, obviously, with, with the kids. And I hear my son, my nine-year-old, at the end of class goes, hey, uh, I'd like to do something for y'all, if y'all don't mind. I know it's been a tough week or something like that. So I just want to sing a song to y'all. And this boy sings Lean On Me. First, I'm done. I'm, I'm like, I'm in the other room, like, listening, like, is he singing Lean On Me? Now? Like, first, I'm, I'm amazed he even remembered the words. So teacher's bawling, teacher emails me like, oh my God, that was so incredible. So of course he records it. And then they played that song. But then that teacher asked, can he record another song? Uh, can he film it so I could play it for the end of the year? So they went ahead and not only played it for that class, but then played it for the for the whole school faculty. And of course they're all emailing and stuff like that. But um, he sings, uh, my seven-year-old, uh, sings as well, but plays the drums. He's taking drum lessons. And then the four-year-old is is the one who's just eating all of it. He's singing, playing drums. He, he's what I was, really, because my sister, my older sister was the one who had piano lessons. She was the one who was in theater. She was everything. And I was just the little brother soaking it all up. My parents didn't put me in any of that. It just, I was the little brother who had to go because she had to watch me because my parents were working. And so when her piano lessons, I'm sitting there, her theater, her theater rehearsals. I'm sitting there, and um, and that's what my four year old is now. He, you know, and then keeping it really one hundred. Every album since my kids been born, which the first uh, would be Mr. Nice Guy, was uh, was Rock was born. Um, my kids have been on my lap, you know, on all those albums. And if if you listen carefully, there's one time this engineer was mixing a record, and he said at two minutes and forty seconds. Do I hear a kid? I said, you probably do. And I said, leave him in. Leave him in there at this point. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so um, so they're taking more of an interest in uh, in the stuff. It's it's weird now because they used to be able to just sit there quietly and just take take it in. I could just hold it in my lap or just whatever. Now they want to record. Like now, so now they're like competing with me in the studio like you know what i mean like i like your idea dad but what if we do this you know what i mean i love it i love it i love it how, how does mommy make out so you know she works out great you know she's uh you know my wife is my toughest critic which i love and her job keeps her really busy it's interesting we just recently just even with the summer starting i was like you know work you work during the daytime i'll just do camp with the kids we'll do everything like we'll play basketball go swimming whatever and even one of the days we're going to just do a studio day where they can record their songs or whatever ideas they have. Um, and then we kind of switch. I Around seven, I'll start getting my creative ideas out. And then it's like movie time with mom and, you know, arts and crafts and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, it, it, it works out. Under this pandemic that we're dealing with, just, you know, we, we, we do a date night every Thursday night. I just love really us cooking dinner together and maybe her cutting my hair, like really butchering my haircut for a hairdo. I just like it because she rubbed her hand on my head, you know? So I'm like, you, you just, you cut it all off if you want to just keep, keep doing that. Uh, so that's my, when, when it, when it's, so each one week it'd be what I do for her next week we what, what she does for me. So each, my, her turns are usually just give me a haircut. You see, I love this. So when are we doing, when are we going to see, you know, the Robersons do their IG live? I just love y'all. It's amazing. It's it's quite funny. I, I mean, 
you know, it's funny on my, my process when we do the podcast, I brought her on a couple of weeks ago that they're quite excited because she figured out how to make keto alcohol drinks. (laughs) So I've been on keto all summer and she was hesitant because she needed to have her spirits and she took some class and during the class, she figured out how to make these syrups so that she could have her fruit drinks and it, and it still be like sugar free and, and no carbs and all stuff like that. So everybody's like sitting up, like we can't wait for Sean to come back to the podcast. Like forget Eric, so she he can come back to the podcast so she can tell everybody how keto friendly drinks. But um, I think everybody's looking for a little outlet right now. She she might have a whole new business here, man. You know, it sounds like it. She it might like she does. I would like to know. I typically ask everybody, is there someone? on your radar of uh, whom we should be around? Oh, man. That's a good question. There's quite a few. Like, uh, there's a singer uh, I talk to quite often. Um, up, there's a lot of up-and-coming singers that I talk to. There's What comes to mind is like Micah Robinson, phenomenal singer. He used to sing background for Bilal. He's another Howard alum, young man. And just when I say the same background for Bilal, just that it should explain to the level of vocal vocalization this brother can do. Um, but he's he's such a phenomenal artist. And it was crazy because I knew him for years and didn't even realize that he could like play other instruments, like a phenomenal keyboard player. He was on the Capitol Jazz Cruise. He came on a cruise one year as a keyboard player. And I was like, so who are you singing for? He's like, no, I'm just here to play keys. I'm like, wait, you play keys? I didn't like, you know, he's one of them dudes, you know. Um, there's a lot of people like that. You know, what I, I haven't talked much about is that I teach at Berkeley College of Music now. And what I will tell you, I am blown away by my students. Just how incredible they are songwriters and artists. Um, so I'm excited. I know we're in good hands by just the artists I know that are coming out. And uh, and it's interesting because now putting out something independently is just the norm. Like these, these students are coming in to a business class knowing almost more business than I know. Like they, oh yeah, I put my arms out and I this your kid, and I got this, whatever. And I, I'm like, yes, you know, but, it, you know, it's crazy because, you know, when we started out, that was unheard of, you know. That's so true. It was almost taboo. Oh, completely. Let me tell you, Carol, let me tell you, man, when I, when I told everybody, and, you know, once again, I always say this, I was not the first. Shout out to you know, Fertile Ground. Yes. You know, got to shout out Fertile Ground because they were the example. That was who I, who I saw was putting out albums, plural, albums independently. Independently, but Dwelle Dwelle had an album out independently out, possibly before I did, if not the same time. Called Rise. I I knew Kim as an independent artist. There were a lot of artists, a lot of them. But I will say that our peers, when I when I was putting out my first independent album, Esoteric, a lot of them laughed. I remember that. Like like, what are you doing? I, I remember I remember that day like it was yesterday. Like at that point, yeah, I think that I'm putting out a, a independent album when everyone in Philadelphia got a record deal. Right. It was it was the boom of Philadelphia. So 
everybody's getting handed record deals, but you got to think that probably for six years up before that happened, I had been going to New York, introducing myself as Eric Robertson, a songwriter. So I knew every a I knew almost every president of every label. Hi, I'm Eric Robertson, a songwriter. I'm Eric Robertson, a songwriter. And even once I got to touch jazz and the artist bug bit me again, I wanted to become this artist. I still, to every label, I was Eric Robertson, a songwriter. And it, and it probably hurt and helped. I mean, and looking back, it's a blessing. But when they were handing out record deals, when my name came up, that's like, oh, that's Eric Robertson, a songwriter. He don't want no record deal. And then it came time where it's like, okay, I have this music. I want to put this out. Everybody was like, so who, who are you putting it out under? I'm like, I, I'm, I'm just going to put it out myself. I remember this, I guess, why would you do that? I remember that was like the norm. That was the normal response to when I announced that I was doing an album. Why would you do that? Uh, because I don't have a record deal and I'm not waiting. You know, it's like, it's just what I feel like doing. And, and now it's the norm. Now it's like that's where we all where we all are. It sure so. is. It is the model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it works out. It works out. So, and it worked out for me. So, I mean, I've I've been very fortunate. You know, of course, later on, I I started understanding that I needed to become a businessman. I needed to understand that this was a business and handle it appropriately. One thing that uh, another thing that I've appreciated about your family is that you know you are all in this together. I'll give you these two things that I remember in high school, I think it was my freshman year coming home and my mom was talking about that she's quitting her job. She's like, she's leaving corporate America cause she just can't do it anymore. And she's going to follow her dreams and start her own business in fashion. I remember that day it was yesterday. And I also realized now looking back how impactful that day was mm-hmm. my sister owns her own business. My sister is an interior decorator and, and I, I own my own business. And I, I think a lot of it comes from coming home that day and hearing my mom and then seeing what she did after that, like literally leaving this corporate job that paid very well for her. And she was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm just not happy. And it, how brave that was. I'm not happy. I'm, I'm going to go on my own. But the other part of it was also the, the two part was that Shortly after that, my dad had this Lincoln Mach 7, like fly car, white with a blue rag top suite. Okay, dad. (laughs) Right? And right after my mom announced that, shortly after that, my dad went and put a for sale sign on that car. And the car sold that day. That's how nice the car was. I mean, before the day, before the sun went down, somebody came bought the car. And he went and bought a gray van to transport my mom's clothes. And like that, those two lessons were, were the lessons in how uh, I carry myself with my wife, mm-hmm. how my business has been carried. Uh, the big change that really set me apart from a lot of people was when I first started doing independent music and the sales started picking up, I would have to stop working and go to the post office around two o'clock and from two to about five o'clock i was handling returns orders right now envelopes filling them up with cds shipping them off and then i would try to get back in the studio or whatever this and that and that and i remember my dad had just retired he came down to the studio he's like so what are you doing here and i was like well i'm about to stop working because i need to start 
packing these CDs up and shipping them out and printing the labels and this that. He's like, you need me to do that? And I'm like, yo, if you could do it, that would be a help. Wow. And he's been my partner ever since, like a business partner ever since in regard of he handled the shipping and that allowed me to stay focused on something else, you know? And then my mom stepped in and, and she's been an enormous help. My wife has stepped in and she's been an enormous help, you know? And it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a complete family affair. So when you come to my shows, my kids, my wife, my dad might be back there selling CDs, you know, it's like, let's go, man. You know, why not? It's like a reunion. I get to see all of you. (laughs) Well, I have to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking some time to stop by and chat with me and listen. Yeah. Everybody, my love, you kiss the babies and you give Sean a big hug for me. And you give I will. Parents, kids for me too. Give some hugs. Yeah, the honor is mine. And this was phenomenal. You, you know, you have such a phenomenal singing voice, but you also have such a phenomenal speaking voice. So this is like, this is great. This is really, really good. I am still trying to digest hearing that because, you know, I, I can't listen to myself speak or sing. So. <laughs> really? No. You can't listen to yourself sing? No. Are you serious? No, I cannot. Wow. That's amazing. I cannot. I, 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 hear but, I hear all the flaws. You know, they said uh, Donny Hathaway didn't like like to listen to himself. I don't think he liked his voice, which is crazy because he's thinking of the most ultimate voice in the world. I don't know how that could be possible. But I am no Donny Hathaway, but that's <laughs> So again... Please, please, please give big hugs and a whole lot of kisses to the babies. I'm gonna go down right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just shrug, wrestle with all of them right now with a whole bunch of hugs and kisses. <laughs> just for, just for you. Thank you, thank you. Hey, get off me! Stop! No, I got, I give you this sugar right now. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Carol said, give you some sugar. Family, and that wraps up another edition of Conversations Inside the Music with yours truly, Carol Riddick. As always, thank you so much for joining the conversations. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend and be sure to check out prior interviews on any media stream where you typically listen to your podcasts. Also, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel to be notified when new episodes are available. And follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Conversations Inside the Music and on Twitter at Chat and Chill. Whatever you do, be good to you and to those around you. And remember, to whom much is given, much is required. Catch you next time on another edition of Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Reddick. Conversations Inside the Music with Carol Reddick.